0: Be afraid. Be very afraid. Halloween is in the air, and this week on Elevate Ordinary, we are talking about fear of the Lord. See you in a moment. Welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grody,
1: And I'm Teresa Grody.
0: And we're back with more discussion on those everyday aspects of life that God sends us, the opportunities to grow in grace and truth, uh, to be open to what he's doing in our lives, to make us the saints that he intends us to be. Uh, You know, it's the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty, as we like to say. And the aspect we're talking about today is fear of the Lord. That phrase comes up Throughout scripture, over and over again, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. But it's kind of a paradoxical thing, isn't it, right? Are we supposed to fear God or love God? Can we do both? What do these things mean? That's what we're exploring today here on Elevate Ordinary. Before we get to that... Um, if you like what we're doing here on Elevate Ordinary and on Awaken Catholic as a ministry, please go to awakencatholic.org/donate and join the Awaken Nation. Download the awesome app and get access to exclusive talks and music and other cool stuff. We really appreciate your support. And while you're at it, go download the Hallow app. at It's appropriate time. It's Halloween here. Go get the the wonderful Christian meditation app. Um, you can download it at hallow.app/awaken. And if you get the 30 day free premium subscription, it supports our ministry. So go do that right now. So, Teresa, Fear of the Lord.
1: So I'm really excited for this episode because <laughs> I have a problem with fear of the Lord.
0: I think we um, all do. It's a it's a weird concept, especially well, today.
1: I, I think that I struggle with the word fear uh-huh. of the Lord. Like I think the church needs to rebrand. Yeah,
0: you're you're this. not you don't think God's branding is very cool, fear of the no. Lord. <laughs> Well, we'll see.
1: So I need some convincing. Okay. I'm going to try to convince
0: you you today. I've been thinking about this all week. I'm not sure what got me started on it, but earlier this week, I think, um, actually I I started going to daily mass again. I somehow, it might've been in one of the readings. Um, but I began to think about this concept of fear of God, fear of the Lord, um, and how I didn't feel like it's something I had cultivated, something I maybe had a sufficient (laughs) amount of because it's throughout scripture. I'm afraid that you're choking on your coffee over there <laughs> and let me give you some examples here yeah. while you, you hack up along over there, you know, get it all out, get it all out there. I mean, seriously, I mean, you, this is throughout the scriptures, God whether me. whether you're reading I'm the Bible straight through again. or you're following along with the liturgy of the hours or you're following the daily mass readings of the church, fear of God as a concept um, comes up over and over again. For example, In Psalms, uh, Psalm 25, it says the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him elsewhere in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in Sirach, the fear of the Lord is glory and exaltation and gladness and a crown of rejoicing. The fear of the Lord delights the heart. What the heck does that mean? The fear of the Lord delights the heart.
1: So maybe let's talk about fear, yes. the choice of the English word fear, mm-hmm. because when I think of fear of the Lord, like yeah. when it's expressed to me, it seems more like awe. Mm-hmm. So why haven't we changed this to awe? Like, why is it fear?
0: Linguistically, I'm not sure if I can answer that question. Here. Okay. Well, let's,
1: <laughs> let's, so anyway.
0: Well, what? Yeah. So we do need to dig into this concept because certainly well, when we encounter a phrase like this, we can, we can narrow it down. There are things that it can't mean. And things that it may mean. So we want to kind of start from one end and, and work forward. You know, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, certainly we're not talking about fear of someone you can't trust. Fear of someone who may, who, who may hurt you, who may do evil to you. You know, we don't always understand the ways of, of God. But we do know, we as Christians, we as Catholics, we know that, the, that God is trustworthy. And we know that's obviously scripture tells us that God is trustworthy, that God is good. So the fear of the Lord that it's calling us to can't be fear the way we would fear an enemy. That can't be what's going on here. But beyond that, you know, also, so what else could fear of the Lord mean? Well, it's not, it can't be fear of punishment, fear of retribution, you know, even for our sins. Now, that may be baked into our relationship with God because God is just. God keeps his word, keeps his promises. But but it wouldn't make sense for that to be the whole content of this concept of fear of the Lord. Otherwise, again, we have scripture verses that just don't make sense. How could fear of the Lord be glory and exaltation, gladness, the delight of the heart, the friendship with the Lord? That It couldn't be reduced simply to fear of hell or fear that, oh, I sinned, therefore I'm going to get my just desserts. Again, there may be part of that in 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 your spiritual life or, or maybe stages of your spiritual life, but that can't be the whole of this concept, this virtue, this disposition of heart that scripture is describing. It can't just be that. It also can't just be an old archaic outdated notion that we can get rid of because again, the scripture is insistent. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Friendship with the Lord is for those who fear the Lord. So there's gotta be more to this concept. Yeah. And it's important for us to figure out because um, because it seems a little paradoxical. We tend to kind of stay away from it because we're not sure what to do with it. Do you know, is, does does fear of the Lord, is it somehow contradictory to love of God? How does it fit together with love of the Lord? We tend to emphasize the love of the Lord a lot. You know, our our hymns and our praise and worship songs are, are very lovey-dovey to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, but we don't really know what to do with this fear of the Lord. And yet scripture tells us that the, the, this fear kind of holy fear that we're called to is somehow the basis for that joy the basis for that love you know the the portal to that sort of friendship so what is this holy fear we're called to
1: do you think yes that the word fear is interchangeable with awe or do you think that there is a there is a real fear to it
0: interchangeable i don't know i'm not sure answer that question but certainly i would say that as we dig into this um, there's a constellation of of concepts that round out what we're talking about when talking about holy fear, and I think awe, reverence, wonder, those are connected up with here. But I don't think you can eliminate um, uh, fear a little bit. But we'll, I think we'll get to that a little bit. Okay. So you know, one thing I I wanted to so I I've been thinking about this all week this week, and I I think I started thinking about it at Mass, and I I, I came home, and I was thinking about how if this is such an important thing, how do I cultivate it in myself? How do I talk about it to the kids? And I was thinking about the concept of, of a fear of God and, and unpacking a little bit for myself. And I, I posed this parable to the kids uh, over breakfast Monday morning. Um, and I didn't prep them at all for this, but I, I told them, you know, imagine if you will kids, you know, that you get an invitation in the mail, you know, like a Hogwarts letter, you know, you know, like this, this, this golden special invitation in the mail. And you're going to meet, you have an invitation to go meet this man and he's a king and he's rich and he's powerful, but you also know somehow in the context of this thought experiment that he is good. He is honest. He is courageous. He's temperate secretly all over the world. He is sparing no expense and no time and no uh, effort to fight the evils of the world, but he is good and he's humble and he's gentle and he is the king. He's a king. He's a leader. He is a man. You know, think, think of some of your favorite stories. He's, he's Aragorn. You know, he, he's, he's a great hero, a great man. Okay. And I asked the kids, okay, so you've received this invitation and you're going there and you're about to enter the room, the, 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 the palace of this, of this man, this great king. Kids, how do you feel? Imagine this. How do you feel? And Dominic, our eldest said, scared and humble. And he didn't say it, you know, like, you know, certainly when he says, when he says scared, he's not, saying, he's not, because I, I, I asked him, so do you mean scared as in like, you're afraid you're going to be hurt or harmed? Like, no, but you, it's this sense of a, a holy fear, you know, walking into the presence of, of holiness, of goodness. Um, And I, and I, I went to talk to them about that, but I I felt like that, that thought experiment sort of captures why this is a very human, very reasonable thing This fear of God, one way we might put it, is that fear of God is a right response to the reality of who God is that if we really if we really take seriously who God is and who we are, then a certain amount of holy fear is the is the the real right response that comes about from that connection
1: it 's interesting when you meet somebody who you feel like is very holy or is actually very virtuous, yeah. You know, somebody who you're having a conversation with and you just get this impression that, like, yeah, it's not just that this person is smart right. or well-spoken, but this, there's something about this person that is just good mm-hmm. and courageous and virtuous. It does almost kind of, in a very gentle and rightly ordered way, yeah. make you feel the right kind of small Yes. You know, like you, you see the flaws in yourself in the ways that they're, they're good and faithful. Right. And it's not like a, it's almost like with the Blessed Virgin Mary, like you see in her, her great Magnificat, mm-hmm. you see all the ways that she is so good mm-hmm. and all the ways that you are deficient. Mm-hmm. But it's never like an accusational deficiency. Yeah, it's it's always like way. a, yeah, like a this person is, is becoming fulfilled yeah. the it way that God has created them yeah. to be and that there's hope for me. Right. Because you know, this is another human being that, yeah. I'm, <laughs> that I'm in front well, of. It
0: causes you to look up, but again, not in a way. It's in a way that, that draws you forward. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you want to honor and you want to be drawn up in and you want to pursue. You want to be up. Um, well, I think we'll get to this a little bit later too, but we recently talked about pride and sloth. You know, and we talked about how those two vices are, in some ways, a fleeing from the reality of things. You know, well, there's a there's a holy fear, there's also an unholy fear, and I think we described that a little bit in the in the the vice of, of sloth or ascidia. You know, this this um, this fleeing from reality, but I, this holy fear that Scripture calls us to, that we're trying to unpack a bit today, it looks up in awe and wonder, uh, and it's an edifying thing. It draws you you forward. You know, I I think if one of the reasons that scripture is so insistent on this holy fear as being a necessary foundational stone of our spiritual life is because because of the reality of who God is and who we are, if there is not some element of holy fear, then you're not in relationship with God. God, you don't understand who God is if you don't have a certain degree of holy fear there, there's something other than God that, that you're worshiping that you think you're following here. It's something other than the God almighty. If you're able to approach without some level of fear and trembling,
1: you know, most of my life mm-hmm. I've seen God as like Jesus as brother. God is a loving father, Yeah. you know, but when I go to confession, mm-hmm. not necessarily during confession, yeah, but when I go to say the act of contrition, mm-hmm. It's very strange because at that very moment, I, f- I, I feel yeah. as though I'm standing in front of a judge mm. and I'm like, an it's hard to describe like a rightly ordered judge, right. like a judge that is so much bigger than me, a judge that has the ability to punish me. Mm-hmm. when While I'm saying the act of contrition, usually confession is just like, it's a very, Like I feel warm and happy Mm -hmm. and like, yes, I did this sin and I'm so happy I'm here and like Jesus isn't judging me. But when it comes to the act of contrition, Mm -hmm. there is like this deep, like I bow my head and I do feel like there's this judge above me. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because I rarely, rarely feel that. Like I'm, I'm a person who lives life in impressions. I don't know if you've noticed, but I <laughs> talk a lot because I don't have an interior monologue. You're a verbal processor. There are so, yeah. There are some people who have thoughts in their heads that sound like actual sentences. <laughs> I have no idea what that's like. Everything comes out and is processed yeah. externally.
0: Well, let's keep processing this because, again, <laughs> if, there, if we don't have, if we don't understand or maybe we don't feel like we have what Scripture is talking about, this holy fear, then that's a good... It's a good thing for us to recognize that, you know, it's an act of prudence for us to recognize that and say, okay, I want to dig deeper here. You know, I want to understand myself more. I want to understand God more so that I understand the nature of this holy fear and so that I can have it. I can have this thing that scripture calls me to. You know, C.S. Lewis, I feel like does a great job giving us some insights into this. In one place he does this is in his Narnia series, you know, his fiction books uh, for children, but good for people of all ages. You know, one thing that he does, I think, extremely well in the Narnia series, if you really read them, you really allow yourself to experience them, to enter into them. I think he gives us in the character of Aslan, the lion, the, the God, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but in the figure of Aslan, I think we get a little bit of an experience of what it would have been like for the disciples to experience being in the presence of Jesus. Here's one of my favorite passages from that book. You know, the the children have just entered Narnia. They're talking to the beavers. They're learning about who Aslan is. And the beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Susan. I thought that he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. That's something that, that Lewis plays a lot with uh, linguistically throughout the Narnia Tales, that, that Aslan is not a tame lion. He's good, but he's not tame. And this is stated, but it's all also played out in many situations throughout the books where different characters, both good and evil characters, are encountering the lion, the lion who's not tame, who, who's a force to be reckoned with, who's ferocious, who's, who's um, fierce, but he's good. And the children, you know, the, these good characters, they, they approach him. They approach this lion um, with a, a healthy, uh, holy fear because he's not a tame lion. But, of course, in Aslan, they find perfect goodness. They find gentleness. They find humility and meekness. But, but he, here's the, the crucial point there. If they hadn't approached with that holy fear they would not be in a right relationship to the reality of who that character was. And I think that's the situation we find ourselves in with God. If we approach God without that Holy fear, we haven't approached God. We've approached some silly, pale imitation of, of, of the reality of God in our heads. It's only, it's only by approaching the reality of God, which will come with a, a certain Holy fear. Do we actually come in relationship with God himself? There's another uh, passage I want to read. This is from C.S. Lewis's Miracles. And this, is, bear with me, this is a little bit longer, but I love this passage. He's exploring more this, this notion of, of the live, real God. He writes, Men are reluctant to pass over from the notion of an abstract and negative deity to the living God. I do not wonder. Here lies the deepest taproot of pantheism and of the objection to traditional imagery. It was hated not at bottom because it pictured him as a man, but because it pictured him as a king or even as a warrior. The pantheist's God does nothing, demands nothing. He is there if you wish for him, like a book on the shelf. He will not pursue you. There is no danger that at any time heaven and earth should flee away at his, his glance. If he were the truth, then we could really say that all the Christian images of kingship were a historical accident of which our religion ought to be cleansed. It is with a shock that we discover them to be indispensable. You have had a shock like that before in connection with smaller matters—when the line pulls at your hand, when something breathes beside you in the darkness. So here, the shock comes at the precise moment when the thrill of life is communicated to us along the clue we have been following. It is always shocking to meet life where we thought we were alone. Look out! We cry. It's alive! And therefore, this is the very point at which so many draw back. I would have done so myself if I could and proceed no further with Christianity. An impersonal God, well and good, a subjective God of beauty, truth, and goodness inside our own heads. Better still a formless life force surging through us, a vast power, which we can tap best of all, but God himself alive, pulling at the other end of the cord, perhaps approaching at an infinite speed, the hunter king husband, that is quite another matter. There comes a moment when the children who have been playing at burglars hush suddenly. Was that a real footstep in the hall? There comes a moment when people who have been dabbling in religion, man's search for God, suddenly draw back, supposing we really found him. We never meant it to come to that. Worse still, supposing he had found us. Now, thank you for indulging that long <laughs> that long quote. Um, I, I couldn't help it because it also it fits so well with the season. Cause we're just here around, uh, days are getting darker. It's almost Halloween, but this finding of life where we didn't expect to find life, this God who's alive and awake and pursuing us, you know, we dabble in religion. You know, we're, 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 you know, we're asking God and we're doing things, but God is pursuing us and he is not a tame lion. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? That was a long quote.
1: Give me a second to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's certainly true. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, one of the things, one of the issues that you have with apologetics is that yeah. apologetics are all well and good and they're important. Um, but sometimes when we get caught up in apologetics, mm-hmm. apologetics is like defending the faith or sure. you know, you're. You're talking with somebody outside of Christianity or you're talking with somebody in a different branch of Christianity and trying to prove your point. Excuse me. Um, But sometimes I think within apologetics, we can forget that God exists and that he is pursuing the other person on the other end of our conversation and he's pursuing us. And this is very helpful with me with children. Yeah. Because it's hard as a parent, you know, you go into parenting and you think like, I'm going to be the most prepared. I am Mm -hmm. not going to make the mistakes that everyone else has made or that my parents have made and I'm going to do things differently. Um, And then you have children and you're like, (sighs) you kind of go through this battle with yourself of like, you're breaking this idol of I'm going to mold and shape them. Right. You know, parenting is obviously you're there for a reason Mm -hmm. and you're there to guide them and, and, you know, impart your life view on Mm -hmm, them, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, they are individuals who the Lord willed into existence and who he's pursuing them. And that, you know, it's funny because when you were mentioning fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord, when I think of afraid in the Bible, I think Mm -hmm. of Be not afraid, which is like the most plentiful phrase in the Bible. And I think that these are both connected because Mm. once you realize that God is something to be feared or God is something to be in awe of Mm. or wonder at, because he is so big and so vast and so loving and so in control that it puts you into a posture of what do I have to fear? Yeah. As long as I am his, Mm -hmm. as long as I am within within him i choose to be within him i choose to be ordered within him like what do i have to be afraid of and it's similar with children you know because you want to be in a relationship where because you are big Mm -hmm. and you are in control of your house you know you are providing for them when they're these young children that they assume a posture of like well, as long as mommy and daddy are around, what do I have to be afraid of? Especially right, when they're little, right. you know what I mean? And as they get older, you, you assume a more of a position of like, they're sharing their hearts and mm-hmm. what do I have to be afraid of with sharing right. my heart, my heart with you, um, or, you know, coming to you with a, a big person problem, yeah. you know? Um, and it's, it's interesting how those two things go together because mm-hmm. when God is God, I, I don't have to be afraid of anything, but yeah being outside of his care.
0: Yeah. I think you're touching on the paradoxes here. It reminds me of the parable uh, that, that Jesus uses of, or, or, you know, the image of if you, if you go into a feast and you go to the head table and, and take the place of honor, you'll, as, as Johnny Cash likes to say, um, sooner or later, God will cut you down, you know, because <laughs> it needs to happen. Whereas if you go and you take the spot of humility, I, I, again, I think fear of the Lord is connected a lot to the virtue of humility here. That. You want God to invite you up. Really, this fear of the Lord is about beginning that relationship on the right foot, beginning it where you're not pretending to be someone else that you're not, and you're not seeing God as anything else than who he is. And when that relationship was right, a holy fear is the only right starting point. But it's also the the starting point through which God can authentically invite you into relationship. You know, elsewhere, Lewis, in in his um, his allegory, uh, his his myth retold, I think is what he calls it, um, "Till We Have Faces," which I can't describe much because it's a difficult book and I haven't read it for a long time. But I know that again, what he's he's playing out in fiction, in myth, this uh, this paradox of sorts that how can we meet God face to face until we have a face that could see Him, that could look on Him. And the only the only entrance way the only way there is through a, some darkness some fear to be able to look upon God's face He has to draw us through there, so it's but it's starting from this place of holy fear that God can draw us forward into again a true relationship where we are ourselves and God is who He is, um, and to start from someplace other than a holy fear is to start it off um, in some sort of untruth. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So holy fear is this right response to reality. I think that's what scripture is getting at, you know, that, and as we begin to explore that, we see how it's connected to these other words that flesh it out more, you know, reverence, awe. I mean, what, what does the word awe mean? What does it mean for something to be awesome? I had a philosophy teacher point out this once because we use the word awesome all the time, but what does awe mean? What does awesome mean? Well, the definition, the traditional definition of the word awesome is something that inspires both desire and fear. So you see a huge majestic mountain it inspires both both an attraction you know an attraction to its beauty but also a a, a little bit of terror terror and attraction together combined in one thing well wow. that that's a good way to think of this holy fear it's a really good way to think of a mountain yeah because <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's a response to the truth of the thing the bigness of the thing the reality of the thing
1: so you just yeah. so i want I want to ask you a question yes. so you just used our pet definition of prudence yes for fear of the lord yes so is fear of the fear of the lord we determined before the show started is a gift of the holy spirit yeah is it is it a prime does it take a place of primacy within the gifts of the holy spirit like prudence because prudence is the mother and mold of all virtue right right yes so it's the it's the virtue of the prime the prime virtue yeah. that allows you to have any other virtue. Mm-hmm. So is fear of the Lord a prime? I keep trying to say primal, but that's not right. <laughs> a pri- prime. I'm just going to say prime. Yeah. Okay, I don't mean primal. <laughs> I think
0: it's really important. One. Let, let me let me read this bit from the Catechism, and then I'll speculate on that point. So this is paragraph 1831 uh, in the Catechism. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety. And fear of the Lord, they belong in their fullness to Christ, Son of David. They complete and perfect the virtues of those who receive them. They make the faithful docile and ready, readily obeying divine inspirations. So, fear of the Lord is described in this list as a, a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, I would say, and again, this is getting into sp- speculative area because we have these different lists: lists of virtues, list of gifts of the Spirit. It hasn't all necessarily been worked out uh, in easy, static agreement about how they all fit together but what i would say is that fear of god is definitely connected to prudence again as we've discussed here before prudence is this habit of soul this virtue of turning to reality and making reality reasoning about reality as best as we can apprehend it the basis for our action and our decision that's not a one-time thing that's a habit of soul that we develop we try to we, be, we try to seek truth and remain as people of truth in all that we do um and so fear of God is connected to truth, connected to trying to see things as they are. When we when we get a glimpse of God as he is, the response, the affective response we have is a certain level of fear and awe. You know, we're obviously attracted to God's goodness, but we there's a certain level of holy fear because of his greatness, his majesty. Again, just like that parable or that that image I gave the kids earlier this week, you know, when we, even now, when we meet a a celebrity, when we meet somebody who we really admire, we have a certain level of, you know, trepidation. Well, how much more so when we meet a saint or when we meet the mother of God or when we meet God himself, there's the only right response to that reality is a certain level of holy fear. So, I would definitely say that it's connected to, to prudence i'd also say that it 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 is or is connected very closely to humility, which is bound up I think there with prudence too, because humility is precisely this habit of trying to see God as he is and ourselves as who we are it 's trained to the reality of those things. We recently had an episode discussing pride and sloth, you know, and those are two ways that we flee from reality. In fact, I was thinking about this today there's a sense in which pride is a is an unholy confidence. <laughs> That. And sloth or acedia is an, is a, an unholy, an unholy fear, you know, because, because sloth or acedia, that vice is looking at who God called us to be and shrinking back from it, being intimidated by it. It's like, no God, that is, that's too much. You know, I don't want that. They're I both, I want to
1: get off the couch.
0: They're, yeah, they're both, they're both <laughs> fleeing from the reality of who God is and who I am. Whereas humility is precisely the antidote to both of those. Humility is a turning away from ourselves. Toward God, toward the truth of who God is, who He's called me to be, who I am—that that whole reality—that's what humility is. And so, maybe we might say that um, you know, in 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 taking that step and practicing those virtues, again, the gift that we receive from the Holy Spirit is this fear of God, this this right response to reality. So you know, with this image of the fear of the Lord, this holy fear. I think we can begin to see now, um, what effects that such a thing would have on our life if it were cultivated, if that, if that gift were embraced, but I think we can also see, you know, why scripture puts such a fine point on this, you know, because this is about entering, you know, being prepared, being disposed rightly to enter into an, a true relationship with God. You know, again, I go back to that, that verse I read at the beginning, which is one that I've been having the kids practice at home. You know, they, they say, we say at the table, we repeat it a couple of times. You know, uh, friendship with, well, I want to get it right. Friendship with the Lord. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. You know, you can't be friends with someone if you don't actually know that person. You know, like if you if you only hear about somebody, but you have a wrong image in your head of them, you don't really know them. You can't really be friends with them. Friendship with the Lord depends on us um, knowing him as he is. You know, knowing the truth about God and not having a wrong image of him. And so, again, the to the degree that we, we really regard God rightly, his greatness, his majesty, you know, the truth of who he is, the holy fear is, is the natural gift that comes from that, the natural response we have to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. this is interesting because um, I think you notice yeah. when you have a conversion yeah. and you finally realize who God is and make the decision to follow him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a grace period there. Yeah. But then kind of after the grace period, I've noticed that the tendency is to get really nitpicky mm. about like the church has to be right and the mm. liturgy has to be right. And the, and not that those things aren't important, right. you know, um, or I have to do this or this is right. Um, and you kind of go into this place where you're fearing the Lord, you know. Mm. Um, but then... It, God kind of brings you to a place after that where you feel his friendship again. Mm. Okay, and I'll just give a really specific example from my from my life. So, mm-hmm. when I had my adult conversion, yeah. Um I wasn't married yet. And I did get into this um you know, like so I I uh I started a job where I cleaned the church. Mm. And in cleaning the church, it was it's a very uncomfortable situation uh-huh. because um you have to vacuum up around the altar mm. and you're like you're just Are there any particles right. of anything up here. And you're like, and you have to cross the tabernacle over and over and over yeah. again. And you're like, do I genuflect every single time I'm vacuuming? Yeah. I go back and forth like this and I'm going in front of the tabernacle. Do I bow? Yeah. And I developed this habit of bowing in my heart mm. while I was cleaning. Mm. So like to the mentally to think like I'm bowing with my heart first yeah. and maybe my body will follow. Mm. And that was actually really important as I began to have children because once you bring children into the liturgy, like all bets are off as a parent, like from the age of something like 12 months to three and a half, four years, you could be out in the sanctuary or out in the narthex or whatever outside (laughs) the majority of your liturgy, you know, and it's like sometimes you're carrying a baby or sometimes you're pregnant and you can't actually genuflect. So you just kind of have to do like a... A Head nod or something like that, and you feel the you feel yourself previously mm-hmm. looking at you and being like she should have gen, she could have genuflected or she should have taken the time to right. you know whatever um, but it is interesting as you develop this relationship with God, you still fear him mm-hmm. but you get to know him mm-hmm. and you get to know you kind of begin to discern in your own life and in your own current situation. Mm-hmm what god wants of you yeah you know does he want you does he want you telling the person who sat next to you who has no idea what's going on in a catholic mass who mentions something to you about your purse you know or like what you're wearing does he want you to be like shh,
0: don't you know
1: (laughs) that the god of the universe i actually so we i have a friend who she was pregnant with her third and so she has these little, these tiny little kids mm-hmm. and she was pregnant with her third and it was all that she could possibly, possibly do mm-hmm. to bring those kids into their church's adoration time that week. Yeah. And she's like, I knew we could only be there like 30 seconds to three minutes. Like mm-hmm. it's this isn't like we're going to stay during someone's adoration hour and disrupt it, we're just coming in really quickly. The kids are going to see me kneel mm-hmm. and we're going to say, hi, Jesus, you know, and she, she did this for like maybe a month, six weeks or something like that. And it was, I mean, she's very pregnant. Yeah. It was all she could do to just get the kids in there, be like, hi, Jesus, and then get them back into the car. And one day the woman whose hour it typically was mm-hmm. turned to her and said, I don't think you really realize what's going on here. You know, like I'm i am having this really intense communication with God during this time. And I I don't think you realize that the distraction, like when you distract somebody in prayer, like God is here with us. And she was just like all she could think is just like, this is all I have. Mm. I'm glad I'm so grateful. Like, I mean, she was really like from her heart, like grateful. Like I'm so grateful that you can spend this hour with mm. our Lord. And I believe adoration, you know, is very important. But she was just like, this is all I have. Right. You know, and so God brings us through these periods in our life where he puts us in these places where we would have judged our, mm. ourself. You know, we would have been that person who is like, she didn't genuflect. She didn't, you know, she's talking to that lady during church and she shouldn't be doing that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Which he, is, he brings us through these hills and valleys yeah. of growth, but then at the same time coming to know him deeper yeah. because you can't change the situation that he's put you in. Right. You know, children are a situation that he puts you in, Yeah. you know, and you can't get out of it. Yeah. And so it's like you, you have to learn how to be gentle to yourself while still knowing who God is. Right. And that's that is a fearful situation to be, be to be in, like a, a holy awesome situation to be in because you're just like, You are so big, Lord, but yeah. I know that you are gentle with me right now. Right. You know, like Aslan the mm-hmm. lets the children stroke his mane. You know, yeah. like I feel like that sometimes when I'm just in such a dire situation that I can't. I can't do the genuflection, or I can't <laughs> right. keep quiet. While, you, know, you know, while at mass, we'll have whatever. to do
0: another episode sometime about like scrupiosity. That's kind of a, a whole ah, topic that's in there. The word, <laughs> but you know. But again, I think you know the uh, the holy fear that we're called to, which again is connected to humility, awe, reverence. That if we if we hold to that, if we enter into the heart of what's scripture is describing there, that contains the the purifying factor that keeps us from a scrupulosity and that keeps us from a a judgmentalism towards others, you know, because again, this fear is connected to truth. It's connected to trying to to know God as he is and to be constantly trying to, to, to leave aside our conceptions of God, our desires for what God wants, you know, like really we want to know God, who are you and what do you really want for me? Because again, uh, Jesus is quite hard on hypocrites, uh, he's quite hard on those who don't forgive he's quite hard on those who don't have mercy or who take advantage of others or who would prevent these little ones to come to him and again our holy fear should should make us a, a afraid of holding on to our conceptions about God. we want we should want to push forward and say no who is this jesus you know what has he said we want to 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 not cling to our own ideas of him Or our own ideas of what holiness is or what my prayer life is or what my schedule is or what real life is i don't have that lewis quote here one of my favorites but cling to the the life that he's actually sending to us the actual neighbors the actual you know person on the road that he's calling us like the good Samaritan to take care of that holy fear again rightly understood rightly pursued here helps to to purify our heart um i i want to begin to wrap this up, you know, but with this notion of holy fear in mind, you know, I, I wanted to think about the ways, again, with the, the theme of the show, how does holy fe- fear elevate the ordinary? You know, and that's actually what got me thinking about it so much this this week. Um, I was recognized that, I, I think it started when I was recognizing I was having a hard time focusing in prayer. I was just, my mind was distracted. And for some reason, the thought occurred to me, why are these other distractions why do they hold such sway over my heart when I'm in the presence of God? Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense? If if God is who I believe He is, then when I'm when I'm in His presence, especially at Mass, then that why doesn't that hold more sway over my heart? Why do I not have a holy fear there? Um, and I began to think about you know if, if if I had that that holy fear, if I was back again seeing and acknowledging and encountering God as I ought to be, that would change the way I pray. That would change the way I thought and the way I spoke, the way I'd I'd comport my body. I was thinking about that at home with the kids. Like, you know, throughout scripture, again, it it exhorts us to have a healthy, holy fear of God and to instill that into our children. Well, it makes sense that again, if we want to set our kids off on this right road of having a, a true relationship with God, encountering and, and relating to God as he is mm-hmm. well, that has to come from a starting place of a certain amount of Holy fear. Otherwise we're setting them up with a relationship with the Easter bunny because the, yeah. the person they have in relationship with is not God.
1: That's interesting because when I was young, I would have never dared yeah. or even thought about putting my butt down on the pew while we were kneeling. Mm. Never, mm. never, never, never. Like, I don't even know where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like realizing that like, nope, that's lazy. Right. And when we, we kneel in the morning, we do like a morning offering before the kids start their chores and before I start breakfast. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's this tension between, well, I don't want to yell at them before prayer. And I say, yell at them by I'm not really meaning yelling at them, but like, do I want to be harsh with them and mm-hmm. say, nope, we need to be up on our knees. Do it for right. This.
0: The posture matters. Yeah. yeah. What you do with your body matters.
1: This, you know, 15 seconds that we pray our morning offering. Do I want to say like, you need to be up straight and we're going to practice kneeling up straight. Or do I just kind of let them lounge around and cuddle on me or whatever? Yeah. And we kind of tried both, but in the end there, there's a saying that like now our kids, it like straightens up our kids. It's like yeah. a little mantra. We say, what does mama Mary say? And the kids say, fold their, fold your hands under the crucifix. Mm-hmm. And it like, it gets them up into this prayer posture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, where they're up straight, you know, they're not kneeling half on the floor with their yeah. butt on the floor, you know, and it, it like kind of gets everybody into prayer mm-hmm. but I I do want them to have the posture because that that posture will take them through periods of yeah. like desolation and mm-hmm. you know if they know what they're to be doing with their body in that moment you know yeah. when they go into a church and and kneel yeah um it will carry them through times where right they're their mind isn't there or the feelings, the affects yeah. or whatever isn't there.
0: Our, our posture, what we do with our body is another, it, it's a, it's a language of sorts. Episode it's, on that one. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's something we're saying to God. And it's also something we're communicating to ourselves. You know, what we do with our body when we put our hands together. And again, for the podcast audience, I'm, I'm folding my hands, putting my palms together in a prayer, you know, position with my hands. What are we doing there? I and mean, that's a gesture of begging. That's a gesture of asking. It's a gesture of de- deference. You know, uh, when we kneel, that's a gesture of of deference, of humility. That's the reason that we do those things. That's the reason we have these traditional forms is because sometimes even when we're not feeling it in our hearts as we would like to, as we ought to, we we remind ourselves through our very body, through our body language, what we're doing, that I am in the presence of God and the only right uh, posture in the presence of God is bowing, is deference, is kneeling. You know, that we communicate that to ourselves as well as it being part of what we are saying, what we are expressing to God.
1: You know, uh, so my go-to prayer when I can't think straight, like the prayer that I always turn to, like if I'm distracted and I'm trying to kneel and pray, um, is St. Francis's prayer under the crucifix. Mm -hmm. So specifically it's called prayer under the crucifix. So you know that when you're praying it, you're looking at the corpus of Jesus hanging on the cross and it starts, high, glorious God, high, glorious God. Mm. And you're looking at like this mangled criminal mm. hanging on his, you know, his death tree <laughs> whatever. And it, it always strikes me when I begin it. It puts me, it really puts me into a position. Yeah. And I think that's why it's my go-to prayer because it puts me in the right position, which is the high, glorious God of the universe mm-hmm. this is him yeah this is what he does the king gets on the cross right. and he suffers and he dies for the sake of you do it does it inspires a holy fear right how would it be if you knew that this man who is all good and all amazing and all wonderful and all virtuous right chose to die for people who weren't right you know high glorious god cast your light into the darkness of my heart
0: yeah and that again, that you know, the way up, or the way the way down is the way up here. You know, humility is the only way uh, upward. You know, the, this holy fear is the only entrance way into a, a real relationship with God, a real relationship of love of God. If you go about it by any other way, you're setting up a false relationship because you're you're not regarding God as He is. Um, another interesting thing here, uh, along with this, is that. You know, with this in mind, we can see how this holy fear leads to, and is not contradictory to love of God. I mean, that's kind of the solution to our paradox. You know, we 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 read in Scripture: perfect love casts out fear. Well, it's it's not this holy fear. You know, this this holy fear of God is part and parcel of of a true, authentic love of God. On the other hand, perfect love, which begins with this holy fear does cast out all other fear. And, and, and I think that that's, a, that's a significant point here. There's another good quote here by G.K. Chesterton. He writes, We fear men so much because we fear God so little. One fear cures another. When, men, when man's terror scares you, turn your thoughts to the wrath of God. <laughs> but, I, you know, we recognize that it is interesting to think about here. All other fear goes away. To the degree that we properly fear God, because if if we if we believe God is who He says He is, you know who we've come to know. If we're in relationship with that God, if we really trust Him, if we really fear Him, and we're able to be invited into that relationship of love, what else have we to fear? Yeah. You know what on what in heaven and earth or under the earth would we have to fear? And so it, it, this this fear of God, which again paves the way for. For love of God, for relation, for authentic, true relationship with God, does cast out all other fear.
1: Mm-hmm. Children just really give us a perfect example of that. Yeah, because little David, our little toddler, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody comes in the door, <laughs> his eyes get really big. Yeah, and then he's like, he's like grabbing for Mama yeah. back here, and he walks to Mama, and he just stays with Mama. You know, and maybe he doesn't understand fear of yeah. me at that age, but yeah, but kids do. They're, I I love. Um, I have the our lady of perpetual help picture that my grandma gave me above the sink yeah in our kitchen and the story of that was that jesus as a little toddler saw the devil or saw was it saw the devil or was it saw his no i think he saw his cross i can't mm, remember it's it's a story he saw something scary yes and what he did was he ran into his mother's arms yeah. so fast that his little sandals broken hanging (laughs) off his foot and he's looking back at the fear, but he's in his mom's arms and little kids do that. Like they get in your arms when they're afraid. And then the first thing that they do is they look back at the thing that they were just scared of from your arms.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So again, I think we can think of the many ways in which that this gift of the Holy spirit, this fear of God that we want to pray for, we want to cultivate how the many ways it would elevate many aspects of our lives. You know, we would, to the degree that we have this, we would pray differently we'd enter into prayer differently we would be able to enter into a much more authentic uh, true relationship with god and so many of the things that, that bother us that worry us that make us anxious we wouldn't have to be so fearful of because we'd be given over to a true fear respect awe reverence for god as he is
1: yeah actually this morning yeah was an example of that because We had playgroup right before this. And Mm -hmm. I told all Mm -hmm. the moms, I was like, I'm not going to be able to make it to playgroup. Because I was like, well, it's going to take me like a couple hours. I don't know what. Like, I Mm -hmm. don't really do much makeup or hair or whatever. But I was thinking to myself this morning, I was like, you know what? God has taken care of every other one of our podcast episodes. You know, like, I'll have a whole hour to get ready. Like, I'm just going to go. Like, I'm going to go to the park. And then I went to the park and I was joyful about it. I wasn't like, oh, the kids aren't going to come back when I call them. And we're going to be late. And we're going to... Like it was just like all the fear was gone. Yeah. I was like I got this.
0: Yeah. 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 We're always in the presence of God. If we're fearing or worrying about something in the future, you know, a couple hours down the road, a couple days down the road. Again, what what's happened in that moment is we've lost a, a holy fear, a holy reverence, a holy respect for the truth of whose presence we're still in at this very moment. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're giving up. We're We're trading the peace. And love that God is giving us in this very moment, to to instead be fearful of some future thing that we think we can save ourselves from. So again, with all that in mind, to to wrap to to, to really wrap it up, <laughs> um, let's just talk for a few minutes about how do we cultivate this? You know, if if it's we all don't. Of you, babe. Okay. Well, I, what spend
1: time I, with children. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Encounter, <laughs> have hard things in your life that bewilder you and, and cut you down, and and you know, give you a, a healthy humility. Certainly, um, as we said before, I think that this is uh, this gift of the Holy Spirit is connected to our practice of the virtue of prudence. You know, in turning to reality. I mean, certainly, uh, our. I mean, God may give us a miraculous conversion, but but our efforts to the degree that we we turn ourselves to reality and try to seek God, I think the the Lord gives us uh, an experience of holy fear, you know. And this, again, this this holy fear it's something uh, it's something in our will and our intellect in terms of of choosing and embracing truth, but it's also an, an affective thing, something of the heart as well, a disposition, and so.
1: So, like I said before, another yeah. practical thing could be to ask, like what am I afraid of is there mm-hmm. anything I should be afraid of right you know with God can as king I, what should I be afraid of in this moment if
0: I can name that then I can reject that fear I can reject that fear that's 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 has taken sway over my heart and say no I I, I fear only God mm-hmm. you know what else have I to fear and then in the in in that relationship I also have that perfect love. Um, I'd say another, because this is bound up with the heart, with our dispositions as well. One thing we need to ask ourselves is if I've become desensitized to, uh, beauty, to truth, to goodness. I mean, we, Mm. part of our, our, our being as humans is we have this affective part, this, the heart, the passions, and, and they are to, we we are to feel things, (laughs) you know, when we encounter a beautiful work of art, we're supposed to feel a bit of awe and wonder.
1: Maybe get out in nature.
0: Yeah, how can we resensitize ourselves to those things? And that may be by kind of cultivating a sense of beauty, you know, going out in nature, seeing beautiful art. But it also might be creating some space. Like if our life is full of noise, is full of, you know, uh, stimulations, stimuli, you know, we can have hearts that are cluttered and bothered and distracted, and we don't have space to really uh, encounter things that should uh, give us a sense of awe and wonder.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about um, this today about how our present media situation, the way that we use social media and the way that we have this 24 hour news cycle, it kind of put, when you pay too much attention to it, it puts you in a position where you feel like I can know anything. Mm-hmm. I can, this, this thing happened. Well, if I just find the right narrative that makes sense to me, mm-hmm. I can, I can be on top of this, Yeah, you know, um, rather than like the historian and me being like, what is there about this situation that I don't know? But anyway, mm-hmm. so I think that that the the social media and the twenty four hour news media thing puts us in a disposition of, yeah. I can control, yeah. I can control this, I can g- I get I got this, mm. whereas we're trying to cultivate something different, trying to to propose an antidote an anic- antidote to that, yeah. which is to. Be in the presence of something that is awesome yeah. and bigger than you that you can't control, like the ocean or the mountain. You know that you gave yeah. an example of, or nature, the changing of the seasons. I think sometimes is something so awesome yeah. to behold.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think overall, again, especially because this is a gift of the spirit, primarily the sphere of God. That again, it's something that comes to us uh, by grace when we're doing our best to live out. The life God's given us. And so all the things we've been talking about up to this point, you know, virtues, a rule of life, you know, the examination of conscience, those kinds of things, making sure that that we're trying to, we're doing our best in prudence to make a plan for our life, you know, a daily plan for, for turning to truth, making a plan, running that plan, and then making an examination of conscience to see how we've fallen short. All those kinds of things, again, they dispose us to be more open habitually in, in terms of virtue, to the truth of things, who God is, who I am. And that makes us more open to this gift. Um, uh, one other thing it's that we're just coming off or we're, we're just getting ready for here, the, you know, the Halloween and all saints day. I think the saints, um, are focusing on the saints, learning about them, getting to know them, give us another tool for, for inviting this grace of fear of God. You know, what did, what did Mary say in her Magnificat? My soul doth magnify the Lord. That's one of the things the saints do. They show us, they magnify the Lord. They show us the greatness of God. Again, we may, whatever conception of God I have in my head is wrong in a fundamental way. It's not big enough. It's not good enough. It's not beautiful enough. It's not true enough. And my whole life should be uh, an openness to that picture of God constantly being refined and even broken to give way to a more accurate picture of who God is. And one of the ways that it happens is we encounter the greatness of holy men and women. Like they really are great. God made them great. He raised great virtues in them, great skills, great uh, charisms, great gifts of the Holy Spirit he raised up in them. And when we encounter them, whether in real life, if we're blessed to that or through their biographies, through our, our prayer, our relationship with them in the communion of saints, like we're, we're, we're in, in, uh, challenged and broken a bit by the goodness of God in them. And that magnifies the Lord in our minds and our hearts. You know, our conception of God now has to be expanded, has to be blown up so much bigger because he is so much bigger and better than they are and they are amazing you know and so they they magnify the lord so i mean there's so much more we could say about about this topic um you know but you know practice the faith uh, enjoy the the treasury of the, of the saints and the devotions God's given us and pray for this quality pray for this gift of the holy spirit this fear of god and look for the things in your life that are maybe taking away from it, that are maybe a barrier to it. You know those fears that maybe you're 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 putting front and center when you should only have this holy fear of of the of the lion, the lion of Judah. Uh, look for those things. So. Anyway, that's our discussion about the fear of the Lord. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, um, and I hope that you have a good Halloween and an even better All Saints Day this coming weekend. Um, if you enjoy what we're doing here on Elevate Ordinary and at Awaken Catholic, please go to awakencatholic.org donate and join the Awakening Nation. Download the app where you can interact with hosts uh, uh, among, the, uh, among the crew here at Awaken Catholic uh, and get access to exclusive talks and other, other neat stuff that uh, Nick has prepared for you. Also download the Hallow app at hallow.app awaken. And if you get the free 30-day premium subscription, it supports the ministry and gives you access to a really cool tool for entering into the presence of God and, and cultivating this holy fear we've been talking about. So check that out as well. So once again, thank you for joining us for this discussion on, you know, the ordinary day-to-day pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. We hope you'll join us again next time. God bless.